Welcome once again to another Blue Jackets Monday Mailbag. I'm Bob McElligot. Trying to put five, no wait, I got it wrong. Trying to put 10 pounds of stuff in a five pound bag. That's that's how it goes. That's what I feel like today. Trying to run around and get a lot of things done. Uh, just trying to get some stuff done at home, which is ridiculous. I'm not much of a handyman, but I'm trying to do some things. And that's got me behind. Uh, I've got a meeting coming up here, so we're going to jam in this Monday mailbag. I don't want to take it away from you by any means because I enjoy sitting down with you each and every week and finding out what's on your mind when it comes to the Blue Jackets. If you have any questions for me and you're with me uh, on X Spaces, formerly Twitter Spaces, uh, you can just go ahead and request to be a speaker, and you can ask your question. Again, I encourage you, if you want to ask your question live, go ahead and request to be a speaker right now. Because, uh, as I said, I'm, I'm going to jam this in here today. We're going to get it done as quickly as we can in a good way. But uh, if you would like a, to ask a question, if you'd like to do it live, you can uh, go ahead and send that question or you can request to be a speaker now. If you've already sent me a question, then I've got it on X, formerly Twitter, and I will get to your question on that. So that's, uh, that's where we stand going into this one. What a big win for the Columbus Blue Jackets last night. They beat the New York Rangers 4-2. to In doing so, they snapped the Rangers' 10-game winning streak. The Rangers were the hottest team in the National Hockey League until last night, and the Blue Jackets took it to them. And the way that game started, the way the Blue Jackets got going, it was absolutely, positively fantastic. I got to do something that I haven't done in a long, long time. Lincolns gives it over to Erica Branson, looks up the right wing side. We've got a fight here. Here we go, Matt Rempe against Matthew Olivier. Rempe is a big boy. He's already had some big tilts. Oh, Olivier caught him with a right, right in the kisser. Rempe a little bit off balance, but still firing rights. So is Olivier. Olivier still has his helmet on. Rempe does not. Rempe is the bigger guy. He's got the longer reach. Oh, another big one. And another by Olivier. He dumps him to the ice. And this one is over. Ho-ho! Matthew Olivier, he was ready on the very first shift, and he's a distinct winner on that one. So that's how it got going last night for the Blue Jackets in the first period. Matthew Olivier with that fight against Matt Rempe, and then from there, the Blue Jackets get a power play. Jacob Truba goes to the penalty box right at the end of the power play. Dmitry Voronkov scores. The Blue Jackets get out to the one to nothing lead. Then the Rangers come back and they tie it later in the period. Artemi Panarin from a bad angle gets a shot through, and it's a 1-1 game. But then 18 seconds into the second period, Voronkov this time sets up Kirill Marchenko, a reverse of the first goal. Marchenko gets it to make it a 2-1 lead. The Rangers come back. They tie it, although they didn't put the puck in the net. It was an unfortunate bounce off the skate of Jake Bean. He was coming hard toward the crease area, trying to put the brakes on, and as he was sliding to a stop, the puck hit his skate, got behind Elvis Merz-Leakins, and that made it a 2-2 game. But the Blue Jackets, they didn't give up. Johnny Gaudreau and Jack Roslovic got free on a 2-on-1. Roslovic buried it, and the Blue Jackets had once again taken the lead, and then Ivan Provorov, late in the second period, picked up a goal to make it 4-2. And then the Blue Jackets uncharacteristically from the beginning of the season, the Blue Jackets closed it out in the third period against the Rangers. Yes, they had advantages. The Rangers had played the day before a very emotional game in Philadelphia against the Flyers. But you know what? A win is a win is a win, and especially a win against a team that is red hot like the Rangers were when they came into play yesterday at Nationwide Arena. So there were a lot of great things that happened in that game. I was so happy for Matthew Olivier because – 
this is a guy, I know he's been brought in to be a fighter, but he can play too. And you have to be able to play in today's National Hockey League if you want to be on the roster. Simple as that. You don't just come in and they throw you out there when it's time to fight. Those days are gone. So he can play. And he, I thought he really stepped up at a big time performing in a role that he likes to perform in and that really hasn't been called upon very much this season or any season, quite frankly, because you just don't find a dance partner very much anymore if you are a bona fide fighter in the National Hockey League. There just aren't that many of them left, but there was one yesterday. And Olivier, talking after the game, he was asked if if uh, he and Rempe talked during the uh, warm-ups about that fight because they were talking. They were right near the red line, and they were having a conversation. And Olivier said after the game, no, I just told him that, uh, you know, that was a heck of a tilt he had against uh, Delorier in Philadelphia yesterday. And uh, he thanked me, and we didn't talk about fighting at that point, but then that first shift, we're coming up the ice, and he asked me if I wanted to go. Now, Matt Rempe, how about this kid? Five games in the National Hockey League, and he didn't have to have that fight yesterday, but he opted to take that fight yesterday. Now, I don't know if he wants to fight every single game in the NHL. I would say he doesn't. I would say he needs to work on the other aspects of his game, which, by the way, he did pick up his first NHL assist last night on that second goal. But he, uh, you know, he's a young man. He's trying to make a mark for himself. And Matthew Olivier obliged as any guy that has that uh, resume will do. And it worked out great. It was one of those nights where, you know, that that's where fighting still has a place in the game to me. It, it does. It was a momentum shift. And some people will say, well, I don't like these fights where there's nothing happening. If it's a retribution for something that happens in the game, I'm fine with that. But I don't like these quote-unquote staged fights. That one wasn't really staged. I mean, the staged ones are off the face-off when you look and you go, you want to go? Yeah, I'm going to go. Okay, we're going to go? All right, when they drop the puck, we're going to go. All right, this one's coming up the ice. So I, I guess it's similar. But it it showed again, look, the crowd. you could hear the crowd in the clip. I mean, it's ridiculous. The, the excitement and the energy uh, from the crowd, and the Blue Jackets fed off of that. And that's what you're supposed to do. Uh, that The way it happened yesterday for the Blue Jackets is exactly how you would want it to happen as a coach. Exactly how. Go back to the Anaheim game. It was four to nothing game. There was a fight in that game. And then Anaheim comes back, and they score four goals. And Pascal Vincent was asked after the game, would you rather not see a fight there? Well, you know, it used to be in a two-goal game, a guy from the other team would be trying to get somebody going so they could gain momentum and get it back. And the coach would say, look, two-goal game, don't do that. Four-goal game, what's what's the big deal, so you think, right? Well, that one happened to work out in favor of the Ducks. They came back to tie it, but they still lost at the end of the day. So I guess what does it matter? But um, that's the way it's supposed to happen. You get the momentum, and you turn it into something. I feel it could have been a different game if the Blue Jackets didn't get that goal on the power play right after the fight because it was, you have momentum. Now Truba takes a penalty right after that fight. Now you've got more momentum, but you've got to cash in. You can't just have another one of those situations as this team has had all year where you go, boy, if we could have gotten one there, maybe it would have been different. Man, if we could have just used the energy we had and, and gotten a goal, by goodness, maybe it would have been different because we've seen that how many times, right? How many times we've talked about, well, you had a five-minute power play late in the game. If you could have gotten one there, you would have tied it. 
Maybe you force overtime. Maybe you get a point. You know, those kind of things. This is all we've talked about all season long for months on end. If, 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 if. Well, last night it wasn't if, it was when. When you get the momentum, when you get the goal using the power play, and when you win the game. I thought it was a great game last night. I thought there were very few mistakes. No game is a complete game. No game is a 60-minute masterpiece. But I think that one was close last night. Now, late in the third period, or I'm sorry, late in the first period, not so nice. Like when the Rangers tied it, the Blue Jackets, they got hemmed in their own zone for a while. The, the Rangers started to come to life late in the first period. It was like, you know, they got hit with the fight, then they got hit with the power play goal, and now they're you know, they're trying to find themselves. Say, we played yesterday. We're still not really into this thing. Now we've got to get going, but they did late in the first period. So what the Blue Jackets were able to do to me, the way they came back and built that lead in the second, I thought it was absolutely key to go into the third period with a two-goal lead. I, I thought that was a really big difference maker because how many times have we seen one goal lead, you play a little bit too tentative. You try too hard not to make a mistake. Maybe you're not as free as you were earlier in the game because now you're worried about how much time's left. What is the score? Is there a margin for error? And and you play a little bit tight. I felt that four to two, let them play loose in the third period. Let them just come out and be who they are, do what they do. And they did. And they did. And they played it very well. And Elvis Merzlikens, by the way, was great in that game. And I'll tell you what I like the most about Elvis. I barely noticed him. That's not a rip on him. It's a compliment to him. Because there are so many games when he is noticeable based on something he does, it's sometimes not the right thing. It's about his reaction to a play or his reaction to a goal or whatever the heck it is. I thought he was calm last night. I thought he was compact. I thought he was where he needed to be. I thought he did what he had to do. I thought the guys in front of him responded in kind. And again, that position really can set the tone for a game, right? Even when the puck goes in off Jake Bean's skate, there wasn't any visible body language about how mad he was about that. I'm sure he wasn't thrilled. I'm sure he wasn't. That's not a puck you're you're expecting to have to stop, right? It's coming off your own guy. Your guy's just trying to put the brakes on. The puck happens to go there, and it bounces behind you. It's frustrating. Sure, it's a 2-2 game now. You could be mad, and we have seen him before show his emotion in situations like that. I didn't see it last night. I saw him just go back to work, and I saw his teammates follow suit. Hey, this is good. He's, he's fine. He's good. Okay, let's go back to work. Let's all go back to work. All six of us on the ice here. Let's do it. And they did, and they got the win. So it, it was so fun to see, especially after coming off the 2-1 to one loss on Friday to the Buffalo Sabres. That was tough. Let's be honest. It was tough. Came back from the West Coast, didn't have great legs, still had opportunities to win the game. I still think they could have won that game, could have, should have, but they didn't. But you come off of that game with a a really nice bounce-back performance last night, and I've said this ever since last night, and I'll say it again to you right here. I just think there's something different about division games. There's something that it's more, it it just brings more intensity. It just brings you more right now. We've got to do it right now. You'd beaten the Rangers back in October at Nationwide Arena. Then in November, you had the lead until they scored late in the third period. They took you to a shootout, and they beat you in the shootout. 
You've played well against this team, and that team came in with 81 points last night. Best team in the East. And by percentage points, I guess, best in the NHL. 10-game winning streak, red hot. And Jonathan Quick started in net. He's been doing that. Jonathan Quick has been a big contributor for the New York Rangers in the last month. So it wasn't like, ah, we got the old backup goalie here. We'll beat this guy. No, 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 no. In fact, he made some really good saves in that game last night. The Blue Jackets just outplayed them for a day. Again. And they got the win. So it's something about playing the Rangers, the Penguins, the Capitals, Flyers. I, I say those all jumped to my mind more so than the Hurricanes. I don't know why, but maybe it's because the Hurricanes have been so dominant in the last couple of years, and the Blue Jackets have, have seemed like they've had better battles with those other teams. I don't know. Maybe I'm just making it up, I, and I don't know I'm making it up. Who knows? But anyway, um, I, I really loved it last night. Um, thought it was Just thought it was a great showing by the Blue Jackets. Showed a lot of character, and that's what's important. How about Johnny Gaudreau? He's red hot right now. He has two assists in the game. That puck that he gave Ross Levick for that uh, two-on-one break, fantastic pass. The other pass he made out of the zone to set up a goal, another fantastic pass. Like, no look off the backhand, off the boards, got it to the neutral zone. His teammates go the other way. It's been really good. You know, Roslovic, to his credit, he's been really good on that top line as well, playing with Boone and Johnny. So it should make for an interesting uh, situation here over the next couple of weeks as the trade deadline approaches. All right, let's go live on X right now. Donald is uh, joining the Monday Mailbag, the Blue Jackets Monday Mailbag. Hello, Donald. Hey, Val. How you doing? Good. How are you? Doing pretty good. Good luck with all those house projects. I'm doing the same. Oh, man. <laughs> but, uh... I, I hate days off. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh... As the kids like to say these days, and I'm not a kid anymore, uh, vibe check for the end of this season and this off season. I'm thinking that, you know, in, in years past, like last year when we saw the draft was going to be full of big talent high up. Not so much this year is what I'm hearing. I think that instead of, you know, the whole tank or maybe don't, don't win, and obviously the players always try to win, but you know what I'm saying. It's not the same as last year's draft. I think, just me, the momentum that we could get by playing lights out and beating teams that we shouldn't beat on paper can give us some momentum so that going into the off season, the team is playing with confidence and maybe if we can make some off season moves to acquire some out of town talent that might look a little more, you know, attractive to them to come to Columbus and catch the tide while it's rising. What do you think? Well, I think it's possible. The only thing that uh, I don't think is you don't take momentum from one season into another season. You take the momentum into the summer, and you feel better about a bad season. Uh, the players individually, I don't think, I don't think you can maintain anything over the course of the summer because the team will definitely look different next year. There's, there's, there will be changes. Uh, the other thing is. We felt better going into this season with the moves that were made in the summer with Provorov and Severson coming in, and that didn't make enough of a difference to really change a lot when it comes to the standing. So you never know. However, yeah, you don't want to lose. I mean, last year we were in a situation where, yeah, you wanted to lose at the end. I did, and I hated it. I hated that feeling. But it was going to be better for the organization if they lost near the end. if they The higher the draft pick, the better off uh, the situation was going to be for the long-term future. So that was a little bit different. As you said, uh, this class is not ranked uh, as highly as last year's was. Doesn't mean that you're not going to get a good player. And 
you know, there are some that say, you know, when you get into that eight to 12 to 15 range, you're still going to get a good player. So, um, yeah, I think the guys, especially the guys that were here last year when they weren't trying to lose, but they knew they were better off if they did, they don't want to do that again. They're going to try and they're going to play hard. And, you know, you've got a new general manager coming in. I think that's a big factor as well, because if you're a player, how you finish this season is what the new person is going to look at the minute that they come in when they start doing all of their evaluating and they're going to evaluate the coaches based on where was this team at the beginning? Where was it at the end? Uh, are we going to keep this coaching staff? Are we going to go with a new coaching staff? Do I have my own guy? If I'm the new general manager, do I have my own guy that I want to bring in here? So there's a lot to play for, for everybody. And I think that's why you're going to see them push to win games. Um, you know, regardless of the feel good aspect of it, I think it's extremely important here because there are jobs at stake. There are jobs on the line and you don't know who the boss is going to be. So you better finish off as strong as you possibly can, because that's that's how you're going to be evaluated. That's a great point, especially with, uh, yeah, the job security <laughs> for sure. Hey, uh, a personal question, if you don't mind. Yeah. My, uh, my kid is playing in a 10 year tournament out here. Uh, well, it will be in Maryland, but we're, we're playing hockey in Virginia and uh, I'm the coach and my girl's the goalie. And I was curious if you have time later on, I saw you're on cameo. Do you have time this week to do a cameo for her? Sure. Absolutely. Awesome. Yep. That'd be cool. I'll send that your way. What do you want me to say? Stop the puck. <laughs> just do her best. That's what I told my kids. Stop the puck. How hard is it? Yeah. <laughs> well, she does a good job stopping the puck the first time. We just need the defense to play in front of her. Ah, uh, see that? And that is the, <laughs> that's the life of a goalie parent, man. Do you sit with the other parents or do you sit off to the side? No, I'm the head coach on the team. Oh, actually. you're the head coach on the team. I'm sorry. Well, then you're good. Yeah. You're, you're, you're insulated until the game's over. Well, yeah. Right? Yeah, until the game's over. Because you know but... they're all sitting up there and saying, you know, she's playing golf because her dad's a head coach. And, and you know. <laughs> Well, I'm she's just, the only goalie just, we got. I'm so. just teasing. That's a good spot to be in because you know you're going to play every single game. Yep. Right? No, I appreciate I'm, it. I'm just teasing you. Hey, uh, good luck to her. And, yeah, sure, whatever you need, reach out to me, all right? Appreciate it. Have a good day. All right, Donald, you too. Again, if you are on X Spaces and if you want to ask a question, you want to get on live, um, get on there. Request to be a speaker right now because uh, it's compact today. And uh, I've got some things that i got to do and uh, get to, and I want to get to you if you want to get to me. Mark Carell says uh, to me on X today, what is with the Jekyll and Hyde passing with these guys? Against Buffalo, they were brutally bad last night. Perfect tape-to-tape passing. Also, that fight call, it should definitely be in your retirement montage of calls. That was pretty awesome. Mark has me retiring already. What? what? No. Oh, you mean down the road? All right. I think I'll keep that one for a while. That was a flashback to the, to the American Hockey League days. I, I really mean it. I, I used to do that on a nightly basis. And, and back then, see, now I'm smart enough to know that this stuff goes all over the world. Back then, it was just starting to go all, all over the world. But for the most part, the only people that were paying attention were the fans of the team you were broadcasting for. So you could say whatever you wanted to about the other guy. Which you probably know if you've ever seen the clip of John Morasti fighting Paul Bissonette that they've put out on Spit and Chicklets because I was, I was a pretty one-sided morasty on that as I should be as I should be um but uh that that was a great one last night it was cut and dry and Matthew Olivier made it easy uh the Jekyll and Hyde passing sometimes is who you're playing sometimes again um you know Pascal didn't 
lean on this very much in his postgame after the game against the Sabres, and I'm glad he didn't because it does sound like an excuse, but when you are fatigued and when you're you're not 100%, it's sometimes it's not the hands and the legs, it's the head and what you think you have when it comes to a pass and what you actually have, and you're giving the puck away all night. But you're right on that, Mark. They were much better in passing yesterday against the Rangers than they were against the Buffalo Sabres in the previous game. Lester, welcome to the Blue Jackets Monday Mailbag. How are you? I'm not doing bad. You know, I wasn't as enamored with that fight as most people were last night. Uh, The one thing that I would say is as that game progressed, I wish they'd saved that for Mr. Trocheck because somebody desperately needs to teach him some manners. I was just thrilled by the fight because we don't see those anymore. I was watching the Philly-New York game on Saturday, and I watched Rempe fight against Delorier, and I turned to my wife and I said, God, I miss that. I really miss being able to call fights like that. I'd never get to see them anymore. So I was more enamored by the fact I just got to take uh, be a part of it last night. Yeah, and, and I totally get that. But the thing is, is... Um, this Rempe guy, he, he's a fool. He doesn't know how to fight. You got to grab the guy right on the collar by the NHL shield. You got to lock your left shoulder. You got to keep your chin down. He didn't do any of those things. That's why Olivier just destroyed him. And uh, I would just rather had that for uh, Mr. Trocheck because as that game went on, I sat there and said to myself, somebody really just needs to take this guy aside and take him apart. Another thing, they spent the whole night going after Ken Johnson. Uh, especially that Keandre Miller. And I was getting tired of watching that too. And I thought to myself, somebody needs to step in and do something about that. But by that point in time, they were protecting a lead and you don't want to go to the box when you're trying to protect a lead. Well, that's the bad news, but guess what the good news is, Lester? They won. (laughs) Oh, that's good news. But they play each other again on Wednesday. So all of those things that you saw, and I'm sure that everybody saw on that team, All of those things that were going on, this is what I love about home and homes because they could all come back into play. What about Rempe? What's going to happen with him? He just was in two big fights, just took a lot of punches in the last two games. Now he goes back into Madison Square Garden. Those two fights were both on the road. Now he's in front of the home crowd. He's got a guy on the other side that beat him decisively in the game last night. Doesn't that force him into a spot where he almost has to challenge and fight again? This is what I love. All of these things that carry from one game to another. Uh, You know, I hope not because he's going to wind up in a coma if he's not careful. I don't disagree with you. I don't. I'm just saying if it happens, I'm not going to be shocked because I I see what he's doing and what he's trying to do. I'm not saying I agree with all of it. I think he needs to slow down, quite frankly. But I don't know how you don't fight at Madison Square Garden after you just did that on the road. Yeah, I now I loved the win last night, and I thought it was their second best win of the season. I still have the five-two win at home against Boston ranked ahead of it because I thought the Jackets dominated sixty minutes in that. And I also like the one-nothing win over St. Louis this year. Uh, I'm still doing the research on it, but I believe that uh, was an NHL record. St. Louis had gone almost five and a half years without being shut out at home, and I think that is the NHL record, and the Jackets ended it. Wow! So I'm. I'm still doing the research on that, but I know that the consecutive game streak is 264 by the Flames back in the early 80s, and we've been trying to figure it out, but there's no real official record kept for that, but we think that that was the longest streak ever at home without being shut out, and the Jackets ended it. But the two things that I wanted to mention, and I'll I'll let you go because I know you're short on time today. Two things I didn't like last night, Voronkov taking that penalty late, 
he's been in the box seven or eight times in the last did, 10 did games. Did you hear the explanation for that? No, I didn't. All right, Pascal said this in his post-game press conference. Uh, Dimitri apologized to his teammates immediately because in the KHL, you're still allowed to use the hand to move the puck off the faceoff, and he was not right. aware of that rule and, and felt terrible about it. Yeah, and, and then that then that's good, and that's that's a good explanation. But he's still, like I said, he's been in about seven or eight times in the last ten games. I think he's too smart a player to be getting in the box that often. Uh, so I think that's a couple of those thing. times have just been because of size differential, right? Guy falls down, the giant standing by him. I understand what you're saying, and you're right. He is a smart guy. But I, if you say he go, he's gone in ten times, at least two of them, maybe three, I think have been unfortunate size disadvantage. Yeah. And you could be right. And then the other thing I look at is uh, in three games against the Rangers this year, Sean Corrales is five for 32 in the faceoff dot. Yeah, he's uh, – I it goes beyond just the Rangers too. I I was glad to see him resurface on the California trip because I thought he was really quiet for a couple of weeks. And then he had a good game in L.A., had the two-goal game in Anaheim the next night. But – you look at his face-offs, uh, and sometimes he's not even getting the assignment. Uh, somebody else on that line, like Danforth, will step in. And I know they'll tell me, well, you know, on one side of the ice, we like to go to the guy's strong side, and so we'll switch it up. But last year they never switched it up. He was taking all the face-offs. So I'm not sure what's going on there, but uh, I agree with you. But I think it goes beyond just the Rangers. Well, that's some of the people that, that think it might be a good idea to trade Boone Jenner and need to keep in mind that if you did move Boone Jenner, who's going to take your face-off draws? Yeah, you'd never have the puck. Yeah, I, I've seen a couple of, of times this year. Uh, it happened both times when you were out of the booth back around Christmas. But we had a game in New Jersey. It went overtime in New Jersey in December. And there were two face-off draws in the overtime. And both times it was Cole Sillinger against that uh, McLeod who was number one in the NHL in face-off draws at 67%, and Sillinger took them both, and one was, was, was a defensive zone draw. Right. So yeah. I, I think he's starting to make some really good progress there. And then they came home two nights later and played Toronto, and they won 6-5 in overtime. That was another really good game they had this year. And both times you got John Tavares of Toronto, number two in the league in face-off draws, and Justin Danforth took both of them against Tavares. I'll say this last thing and get on that second one was on the game winning goal. And what happened there is we had uh, Severson and Goudreau and Danforth on the ice. Danforth's taking the draw and they had a play drawn up where Goudreau circumvents the play, the, uh, the face off circle and cuts in front of the net to the goalie's right. And the thing is they want to win the draw, get the puck back to Severson who takes a shot pass that Goudreau intercepts and with the goalie fully committed to his right, Goudreau just slips around him and backhands it in the net. And that's what happened. But on the face-off draw, uh, Danforth fell down and landed on his rear end. And somehow he got his his stick on the puck and stole it from Tavares and got a perfect pass back to Severson who made that whole play work. And I thought, man, that is fantastic. I go home to check the social media to see what our fans said about it. Not a peep. I was really disappointed because that stuff people need to learn to appreciate. I, I I agree with you. There's uh, there are a lot of little factors like that that go on night in and night out. That yeah, sometimes I I do the same thing. I look to see how people are going to react, and I go, oh, guess I was the only one that saw it. But anyway, you know, look, not everybody's hardcore. There are plenty of casual fans out there, and 
We need them all. Everybody is good. But uh, I understand what you're saying, Lester, and that's why Danforth is taking some of those draws. Like last night when Corrali wasn't, Danforth was. So good yep. player. Yep. Hey, have a great week. Good hey. talking to you. All right. Thanks, Lester. Appreciate it. If you want to get on X Spaces, if you're on with me live and you want to uh, ask a question, just uh, request to be a speaker, and I'll bring you on just like Lester did and just like Ryan is going to do because he is now able to come on the show. Hi, Ryan. Hey, Bob. How you doing? Good. How are you? I'm doing excellent. Hey, uh, I actually live out here in Denver, but I'm obviously I'm a Blue Jackets fan. So the other team I get to watch is the Avalanche. And I kind of have a team-building question here for you and what you think. Um, Yarmo is obviously an incredible evaluator of talent overall. Um, I'm wondering if maybe he just didn't see the personality side as well as he should have. And my, my only reason for that is I look at guys like Fantilli, uh, Boone Jenner, Danforth now, if something goes wrong in the game, they get mad. And when they get mad, they just become hard to play against. They still don't make mistakes, but they just go to the corner. They get dirty, ugly plays done, and they do it well. Uh, Fantilli has that edge to him once he gets bigger, stronger, and you know more confident, that'll get better. I see that with the abs. They don't have a lot of talent on their second and third lines, but they just go to work every single play. And it, it works out for them because then, you know, they get the puck, they throw out that top line and they score. And I'm just curious, have you seen that from the Jackets? Because I'm just a little bit worried about KJ not having that that ability to do that. We see that with Roslovic. He seems to sometimes take a game off or two. Um, but, like, the big gamer teams, they, they don't have any of that. What, what do you think about that? Well, I think that's a pretty good observation by you, Ryan. And, yes, there is talent evaluation in drafting, and that's really, really important, obviously. But then the other part is uh, assembling a roster, and it's about getting pieces that interconnect and they click and they work together and all those things that you're talking about. And I think that the Blue Jackets are and have been guilty of having a little bit of uh, some mismatching, I guess I would say, in that. Uh, yes, there are core pieces there. There are other guys that need to find that. If they have it, they have to find it. And if they don't have that, then maybe you have to find somebody else that does in a certain way. Sometimes the the funny thing about hockey is there are times you can find a lesser talented player that has more heart and it'll work to win. Uh, You understand what I'm saying on that? It's just kind of like, like there are some sports you have to have. If you don't have the elite talent, forget about it. Because there are so many individual aspects. There are individual aspects in hockey, of course, but it is such a team game, and everybody has to be involved, and you have to roll the four lines, and you have to roll three deep pair, and you have to have a good goaltender. And and if it's not working with cohesion, then you're just not successful. So I agree with you. I, I'm not going to say Kent Johnson doesn't have that in him or Jack Roslevic doesn't have it in him, but to your point, those are two good examples by you. Um if you have it, could you please bring it daily? You know, right? And, and I think for Kent Johnson, it's still he is not strong enough. Like uh, uh, I wholeheartedly agree. Like, I wish he would have stayed in the AHL I, just to get stronger. I, I know, and I <laughs> I think that's going to be a hindsight twenty twenty thing. You know, wondering if they should have left him there for a while. And again, I don't know how much stronger he could have gotten. I understood the whole thing because they play most of their games on weekends, and there's more time for lifting and training. I still think the bulk of that stuff has to be done in the summertime. So I don't Agreed. know I don't know how much of a difference it would have made but I'll tell you this he had a lot of confidence when he came back from the American Hockey League he was a different he player did. 
And somebody asked him about this a couple of days ago, about his confidence. He goes, oh, yeah, it's good. No, I disagree. It's not where it was when he came back from the AHL. Not not a chance. Now, that being said, uh, I didn't mind his line last night with Sillinger and Nylander, quite honestly. Uh, no, I, thought, I love Nylander, actually. I think he's got that grit a little bit to him. Well, he, and, he was good with the puck on the stick. And they played well enough that you were able to roll four lines last night, which I thought was really important to get in that win, especially against a team like the Rangers. If you have to cut it down to two lines because the other two aren't going, now you're just going to have tired bodies and you're probably going to get killed in a game like that. So, uh, yeah, those are two good examples. And I, I do agree with you. There is, and I've said this, I've said this before, uh, do you have a roster or do you have a team? Because there's a difference. I can put together a great roster, and you can look at it and go, oh, my God, we're going to win a ton of games. And then you're going to put those people together sometimes, and you're going to go, even with all this talent, this doesn't work. Case in point, Johnny Gaudreau and Patrick Laine, they have yet to prove mm-hmm. that they can play on the same line or on the same power play unit. You know, it just, for some reason, it looks great on paper, but it doesn't look great. When it's, when it's together in the middle of a game. And on the flip side, and I've said this before too, Zach Wierenski, Adam Boquist. If I'm sitting in a bar with a cocktail napkin and I'm jotting down D pairs, I don't think I'm putting them on the same one because I'd be no. saying, who's going to play defense on this pair? If I was talking with a bunch of people, we were discussing who's going to play together. I go, well, you tell me who's going to play defense. Both these guys love to jump up in the play and try to score. You can find each one of them down behind the net. So who's going to play D? But yet, when you put them together... They work, and they're responsible. When one goes, the other one stays. It's worked out pretty well. So, yes, it's got to work together, and there are times I think this team has been a great example of it. You know, last year, you talk about injuries and all kind of other stuff. This year, you've had the bulk of your guys most of the time. This year is where I think you're seeing where sometimes it's a square peg in a round hole. Yeah, I wholeheartedly agree with that. And just one more comment, and I'll, yeah. I'll let you go here. Um, the fact that Tarasov just played two immaculate games in a row, I think is the best thing that we can do for Elvis once every month, sit him down for three games, (laughs) watch Tarasov go to work and make Elvis realize that he has competition and that he can't, you know, he can't lose his head during those games. Cause every time Tarasov has a good game, Elvis comes back with a great game himself. So I think we need to start, uh, just rolling them both game after game, because uh, I think that might give Elvis a better shot of just keeping his head in line and, and, and not going off the rails. Well, that's, that's a pretty good point. And somebody asked me yesterday, we were talking about the Rangers, and, you know, Igor Shesterkin, was, he was in a spot a couple weeks ago. He was bad. And they put Jonathan Quick in to play multiple games in a row, and he was really good. It was like the Quick of old winning cups for the L.A. Kings. And oh, yeah, I watched him. And somebody said to me yesterday, they go, you know, Shesterkin, he's got it going again. I don't know what happened to him, but he, he looks like the guy he was last year. I said, what do you mean you don't know what happened to him? Jonathan Quick played like four great games in a row. <laughs> that, that's what happened to him. It's just what you're talking about, right? Yeah. I mean, competition is a spice of life. Uh, you may not like it. It may make you uncomfortable, but if you handle it right, it's going to make you better. So thank you, Ryan. I appreciate it. Athletes are always better when they're uncomfortable. Yes, absolutely. All right. Good talking to you, Ryan. Thank you. All right, let me see what else I have on X here before I've got to blow out of here today. Um, Let's see, JT says, with the Blue Jackets' performance last night, what do you think are the biggest keys to victory in the rematch to claim the season series? That, of course, will be on Wednesday at Madison Square Garden. Play the same game. Play responsible. 
uh, limit your mistakes. The Rangers are going to kill you when you make mistakes, okay? And they're going to be better rested for the game on Wednesday, and they're going to be at home. They're going to have the last line change. They are going to get every matchup that they want on Wednesday. So you have to be on top of your game, and you've got to be responsible. Execution is going to be the name of that game on Wednesday night. Uh, Cannon Goes Boom says, your thoughts on this weekend's games? I kind of covered that. Loved last night. Didn't so much love Friday night against the Sabres. Uh, what would you like to see in the Blue Jackets' final games this season? I would just like to see what I was talking about earlier, guys just giving it their all, being their best at the end, win or lose in the games. Be your best. Show exactly what you have. Try to impress the organization. Try to show whoever the new general manager is going to be here, and you're probably not even going to know before the season's over, so it could be 100 guys or girls or whatever. You, you just want to be playing – your best so when every one of those people is looking at the team as they're hoping to get an interview or they're going through an interview or whatever it is you want them to to think of you first okay so i want to see everybody playing with that kind of um that kind of fire underneath them and what do you think the jackets uh what and who do you think they should trade at the trade deadline or in the summertime again roslovic's an unrestricted free agent he's playing really well right now i think his stock is up i i don't know if they're going to get what they're looking for uh, when it comes to Jack. And, you know, the way Jack's playing right now, making you want to go, well, why wouldn't you resign this guy? I'm not so sure that's going to happen, but um, I don't expect any big major moves by March the 8th. But in the summertime, again, it's going. it, it depends on who's coming in. You can speculate all you want. It, it would be easier to speculate if Yarmo were still the general manager because they know the mindset and – and what they're looking for on this team, but it's going to be a, a whole new ball of wax when somebody else takes this over. Um, let's see. Uh, Peyton says, per cap friendly, Texier, Marchenko, Sillinger, Chinikov, and Bean are all restricted free agents after this season. Who is the least likely to be re-signed in your eyes? The least likely of that list? I mean, if I'm going to do the list objectively – um, I, I, I don't know how you don't resign all of those guys. I, objectively, Jake Bean, maybe, but he's the only left shot defenseman that you have, unless there's somebody ready to come up and come in from, uh, from the American hockey league. So that gives him an advantage. Uh, Mr. Union blue says, so did Olivier earn an everyday spot in the lineup after last night? He has been scratched quite a bit this season. No, he didn't. I don't think he did. Um, look, you look at other teams and you see, you look at the roster matchup and you go, they got a tough guy. I need to have my tough guy in. Um, he said this last night, Matthew did. He goes, hey, it would help if I scored some goals. I want to score goals and I haven't been able to do that. And he's right. It would help if he scored some goals. Um, but has he earned an everyday? No, I don't think anybody has. Texier gets bumped. They said he had a little bit, bit of a bug and I know he missed the morning skate the game before, but also... I mean, that, that's an easy scratch to me. Once Bemstrom is gone, who's the next guy you're looking at? For me, it's Alexander Texier. He has been way, way, way too quiet. He had two shorthanded goals on the Western Canadian swing. That was great. Since then, nothing. Now, does he still play a good penalty kill, and does he play good defense? And, uh, yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. But now you got a new guy coming in in Nylander. You know they're going to give him a look. You know they want to see what he can do in the National Hockey League. They want to make an assessment, and 
if you're not playing well, then it's easy to take you out of the lineup. And I think that's where Alexander Texier is right now. So Matthew Olivier, it's going to be the same thing. If you're not playing well, it's going to be easy to look at you and say, well, why don't you sit down tonight? We want Texier and Nylander to play in this game. So, no, he hasn't earned a, a full-time spot. However, however, he did a really good job of reminding everybody just exactly what he can do with regular shifts as well. He didn't hurt them when he was skating. Um, so I think it's good. Nobody's got it. Well, Johnny Gaudreau's got a regular spot. Boone Jenner's got a regular spot. Um, Zach Wierenski's got a regular spot. Okay, so I can't say nobody has a regular spot, but come on. I mean, there are a lot of vulnerable people. If Justin Danforth falls off, he's vulnerable. That's why he doesn't fall off. He's smart. He's a smart hockey player. He's a smart human, and he's a good hockey player. He's not going to fall off because he knows exactly what's going to happen to him. All right? So that's my point. So that goes back to the whole, what do you want to see? I want to see everybody play like that. Everybody play like, you can't take me out of the lineup. You can't. I'm too valuable for you. Watch me play. I'm too valuable. That's what I want to see. All right, thanks for all your questions today. Sorry I'm kind of rushed to uh, get it going, to to get going, not to get it going. Uh, but it is always great to have these chats. We'll do it again next Monday. Blue Jackets are at Madison Square Garden on Wednesday night. That is a 7 o'clock game against the Rangers. Pre-game coverage starts at 6.30 on the Blue Jackets radio network and on Valley Sports. Then on Thursday, Blue Jackets are right back at home. They take on the Carolina Hurricanes at 7 o'clock, 6.30 pregame on the Blue Jackets radio network with me and TV-wise Thursday ESPN Plus game. So make a note of that. Thanks for all of your questions. Thanks for being part of the show. And just thanks for being there, as always. That'll do it for this Blue Jackets Monday mailbag. Until Wednesday night in Madison Square Garden, I'm Bob McElligot. So long.